Our sermon text this morning is Leviticus 9, verses 1 through 11. It came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering, and a ram as a burnt offering, without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people, and make atonement for them, as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went to the altar, and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering he burned on the altar, as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, dear God, we do pray that you would be with us this morning as we hear your words, that you would you would guide Dan, that you would give him your words to say, that you would help us as we as we see at the end of the consecration of Aaron and his sons that there is a sacrifice that is made before the Lord shows his glory before the people and before the Lord appears to them. That you would help us to understand these sacrifices, that you would help us to understand how they point toward your glory and toward your greatness and how that you appear to your people and how that you are our God, and how that you have shown mercy to whom you will show mercy. We pray, dear God, that you would help us to hear your words, that we would do them, and that we would serve you. Amen. So chapter 8 of Leviticus was about how Moses consecrated Aaron and his sons so that Aaron would be the high priest and his sons would be priests. It was about Aaron being set aside as high priest, establishing the Levitical priesthood. And that Levitical priesthood would continue until the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And then another priesthood would be consecrated around that time with a better high priest, Jesus Christ, who was consecrated as high priest and his sons would become the priests that, that serve in the true tabernacle instead of just this physical picture that was the tabernacle that Moses constructed. His, his true sons would actually serve in the true house of God. It's easy to, to think that Israel would have thought that the work of Aaron was actually about reconciling them to God. It's easy to look back and think that how would they have known that this was all just shadows. But if you think about it, the passage clearly shows that they would have known. 
you know, the first thing that Aaron needs to do is he needs to make a sacrifice for himself. If he was a sufficient high priest, if he could bring his people into the presence of God, then why did he need to make a sacrifice for himself? But it's also easy to, to forget what's actually going on here. It's easy to forget as we think about the consecration of Aaron. It's easy to forget that it's Moses that's who's consecrating him. And remember what it said about Moses in Exodus 34, 33 through 35. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again and he, until he went in to speak with him. So it's easy to forget that as day by day for these seven days that Moses is making these sacrifices, he has a veil on his face the whole time. And they may not understand exactly what that veil signifies, but they recognize it signifies that they are afraid of God, that they are not reconciled to God. That's why they require the veil. That's why they insist that Moses, for the rest of his life, wears a veil. So the people that are watching this ceremony, the people that are watching the consecration of Aaron and his sons, they're watching Moses do it. And they know this isn't the real thing because otherwise Moses wouldn't have to wear a veil. Moses had to wear a veil because they were still afraid of God. They still saw the judgment in the face of Moses. They still saw the holiness of God in the face of Moses who's representing the law. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 3, they still saw their condemnation. So even as we go through this, it's easy for us to, to pretend like God kind of misled them. That they had this whole process and it looks like it's solving the problem. But, it's, but if you think about it, you recognize they all knew it wasn't solving the problem. They knew it was a type. They knew it was a picture. Now the generation after may not have because they didn't have Moses with the veil. But when God is setting up Aaron as the high priest, he's making it crystal clear. He's making it clear in every way possible. This is an insufficient high priest. This is not a high priest that can actually reconcile them to God. They would have known, even as Moses is doing all these sacrifices, even as Moses is, is killing these bulls and these rams day by day, they would have known this isn't it. This doesn't solve the problem. We still cannot have Mo Moses take the veil off his face. This high priest is completely insufficient. That generation required Moses to veil his face. They knew Aaron wasn't the solution. So as we read this, let's recognize it and let's see it in the light that that he's putting a type before Israel so they can see that they need something better. They need something greater. They need one that can actually bring them into the Holy of Holies. So verses 1 through 4, It came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. 
And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and as a ram as a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel, you shall speak, saying, take a kid of the goats as a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord. And a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. So it came to pass after Moses said, representing the law, designated who would be high priest. But not just who was high priest, but who were the priests of God, the sons of Aaron. The law had made it very clear who the priests would for seven days, that picture of completeness. Moses had done this ceremony where he had killed the sin offering. He had taken it outside the camp. He had burned it. He killed the ram as a burnt offering. He killed the ram as a peace offering. And then they did the three different kinds of grain offering as a memorial. For seven days he did this. There was this whole picture over and over again of what was required for a high priest. And then it came to pass on the eighth day that Aaron had to do the same sacrifice. It's clear. It's clear that Aaron's consecration was insufficient. That he wasn't one that could actually bring people into the Holy of Holies. Otherwise, why does he have to immediately make a, a sacrifice for himself? God is putting shadows and they could easily see that they were shadows that they weren't substance. And it's interesting because you see so many people now that want to go back to these shadows. But they knew from the beginning they were shadows. They knew from the beginning that this didn't solve the problem. This didn't solve the problem of man being reconciled to God. Aaron was not it. Because Aaron himself wasn't reconciled to God. So on the eighth day, immediately after Moses does it for seven days, immediately after the law designates who the high priest is, designates who the priests of God are, immediately the next day, Moses called Aaron and his sons. As soon as their consecration is finished, he calls them and says, you've been designated to be priests of God, and then they have to go make sacrifices. They had to make sacrifices of a sin offering, that picture of of justification. It showed that they weren't right. They They had to make burn offerings, the picture of substitutionary atonement. It showed that they still needed a substitute. When Christ made his sacrifice, it was done. Nobody needs to do a sin offering after Christ's sin offering. Nobody needs to do a burn offering after Christ's burn offering. But after all these burnt offerings for Aaron, Aaron needs to turn around and immediately do another burnt offering. It means that nothing Aaron did actually reconciled them to God except in a physical reconciliation. There's no spiritual reconciliation. There's no spiritual access to God. It was to make physical atonement of sin so that physically God could tabernacle with them. Remember God said, look, if I, if I go with you, you will all be destroyed. And so God is giving them a covering and he's giving them this whole sacrificial system as a covering. Not so that spiritually they'll be saved. We know from Hebrews, Hebrews 4 where they 
heard through not, or go into the land and they resisted and rebelled against God. And God said, they will not enter my rest. We know they weren't reconciled to God. They knew they weren't reconciled to God. They had Moses keep the veil on his face. But, as, but they were doing all this process so that God's presence could be in the midst of them. That they could be covered not to, to salvation, not to eternal life. But they could be covered so that his wrath would not burst out and kill them all. So from the beginning, the sacrificial system was shown to be insufficient. Insufficient to actually bring you into the presence of the Father. So he brings Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. Moses doesn't just have the new priests there, he also had the elders. Remember about ten months before, they had gone up into the presence of God. With Aaron and his sons and Moses. And Deuteronomy 5, 23-24 relates what happened. So it was... When you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. And they said, We don't want any part of this. And they said, Moses, you tell us what God said and we'll do it. They would have seen, or what they would have seen would have convinced them that they were not reconciled to God. They saw the glory of God on the top of Mount Sinai. In this, the sacrifices that Moses made for Aaron, that didn't solve the problem. So why gather the elders of Israel In a verse or two, all the congregation will be gathered. So one of the reasons that the elders were specifically gathered earlier was for careful dissemination of information. Like with the Passover, when he wanted to, when Moses wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they had to kill a Passover lamb or they would die, he gathered the elders of Israel and told the elders so that the elders would go out and tell the people. And so... I think here Moses is telling them so that all the people are gathered, all the people understand the seriousness of what's being offered, of what's being done. So it was a way to make sure that everybody knew that Aaron was now making the sacrifices, that those sacrifices were pleasing to God, that Moses no longer needed to make them. So then he says to elders in front of his sons, in front of his elders, in front of the elders, he tells Aaron to take a young bull or take for yourself a young bull. There the yourself is singular. So this is, this is Aaron doing it for himself. So Moses is very clear. The first thing that he needs to do as a high priest is make a sacrifice for himself. If his high priest office was actually about bringing him and the people into the presence of God, he would not have to make a sacrifice for himself once he was designated high priest. When Christ was designated high priest, when he rose from the grave, he doesn't need to make any sacrifice for himself. He actually has access to the Father. But Aaron, after all the consecration, when he comes, the first thing he has to do is take for himself a young bull as a sin offering. The first thing that he has to do is go, I need to be justified. I need to be, I need a sacrifice to cleanse me of my sin. 
Christ was the sacrifice, and then he became the high priest. The law consecrated him by showing that he was perfectly holy and righteous, and then he became the high priest after being sacrificed. Aaron has all these sacrifices, and then he turns around. The first thing he needs to do is make a sacrifice because his priesthood will not reconcile anyone to the Father. So it's a sin offering. If we remember what Moses had instructed the whole congregation in just before the seven days of consecration. Remember, there's the Leviticus 1 through 8, where he's telling them how to do all the offerings. And then there's, there's Leviticus or 1 through 7, and then there's Leviticus 8 that talks about how the high priest was consecrated, how Aaron was consecrated. So just seven days before, in Leviticus 4, 2 and 3, it says, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. So by Aaron having to offer a sin offering, he's testifying that he has sin that he can't be reconciled to the Father, that he, he hasn't been. Otherwise, there is no sin offering. The sin offering has been complete if you've been reconciled. So Aaron, the first thing that he has to do as high priest is testify that he's a sinner, which means he's an insufficient high priest. <coughs> that sacrifice to cover sins, that were for, to cover sins that Aaron was blind to, still had to sacrifice it. He still had sins that he didn't see. They hadn't been cleansed. Consider that compared to Christ. When Christ becomes the sin offering, he doesn't need to offer himself again. He doesn't need an offering for any sin. There's no unknown sin that Christ has. That's not the case with Aaron. The sacrifice was for Aaron and Aaron alone, meaning that his first act as high priest was to ask God for atonement for his sin. And then a ram is a burnt offering. The burnt offering is a picture of substitutionary atonement. A picture that something else had to die for you to be right with God. And even as Aaron would be a priest, making sacrifices of the people acceptable to God, he still needed a substitute because he was not acceptable to God. He was still guilty before God. So they had to offer a, a young bull and a ram. A young bull is a sin offering and a ram is a burnt offering without blemish. The animal still had to have that picture of being whole and undefiled to be a picture of Christ. Physically, Aaron was fine, but spiritually had a huge blemish. And we even saw it, right? The whole making of the golden calf. Aaron is not a righteous man. Yet God is appointing him high priest. Everybody understood that Aaron was not the boy to be reconciled to God the Father. He was just a picture So he was without physical blemish, but Aaron was far from being without spiritual blemish. So then he had to offer them before the Lord. (coughs) So this is still about the picture of reconciliation with God. They were offered for the Lord to see the sacrifices. He didn't need them, but God required it to be seen as being between him and Aaron. 
that something was required to reconcile Aaron to the true God. Something was required even for physical reconciliation, even so that Aaron could enter into the presence of God, so he could enter into the holy place, so he could enter into the holy of holies. Something was required to reconcile Aaron to the true God. So offer them before the Lord and to the children of Israel. So he he had to do the burnt offering and the sin offering for himself, but he also had to deal with the children of Israel. So he's to tell the children of Israel, Moses is not going to command them. He's sending, now he's sending Aaron as the high priest to command the children of Israel. He's showing that real authority has been delegated to Aaron. So Aaron's to tell the people, take a kid of the goats. So while Aaron needed a bull for himself, he took a kid of the goats for the people. And again, we know from the instructions that, that God gave through Moses just seven days before in Leviticus 4, 13 and 14. Now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything that should not be done and are guilty... When the sin which they have been committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. So if it's the sin of the congregation that he's offering, it's supposed to be a bull, a young bull. But that's not what Aaron is told to offer. He's offered a kid of the goats. A kid of the goats is not what you offer for the congregation. A kid of the goats is what you offer for a common person, as it says in Leviticus 4, 27 and 28. If any one of the common people who sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which ought not to be done, and is guilty or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed. The congregation requires a bull. An individual requires a kid, and Aaron's commanded to just sacrifice a kid and not to sacrifice a bull. This is not about reconciliation of the whole congregation to God. He's not commanded to do what's supposed to be the picture, and we know what that picture is, right? Christ's sacrifice outside the camp as the young bull, his sacrifice reconciled the whole true congregation of Israel to God. That's not what Aaron's doing. He's sacrificing a kid. So he's to take a kid of the goats as a sin offering. Again, that means that the blood is just poured out at the bottom of the altar. Right? Remember, the sacrifice of the bull, that blood was to be taken. They were to dip their finger in it, and they were to sprinkle it at the bottom of the veil to show that through that blood of that bull, they got access to the Holy of Holies. But not for the kid of the goats. The kid of the goats, you just anoint the horns of the altar and you just pour out the blood at the bottom, at the base of the altar. Because it's not about being reconciled to God. It's not about, it's about being forgiven that sin. It's being, that sin being dealt with as opposed to actually being reconciled with God. So then they were to take a calf in addition to the kid of the sin offering. There was a calf. It was to be a burnt offering. And that has more value than the, the ram that would have been burnt for the high priest. There wasn't just one animal. There was also a lamb. The lamb was required to be burned. 
its skin would be kept, but the rest would be burned. And they both had to be young. They both had to be of the first year. The picture of being undefiled by the world. They were still young and immature, without blemish. God would only accept perfect sacrifices. Not the sacrifices of things that weren't wanted, but sacrifices of things that people wanted. People, you know, it talks about in Malachi how they wanted to bring offerings that were blind and were lame, and they just wanted, had animals that they wanted to get rid of. That wasn't the offerings that were acceptable to God. The offerings that are acceptable to God are offerings of things that you actually want. They were to be offered as a burnt offering. They were to be burnt on the altar to declare the judgment of God. Then also a bull and a ram for the people. There was an additional offering for Aaron. It was just the bull and the <coughs> and the kid for the for the people. In addition to doing a sin offering, in addition to doing a burnt offering, they also did a peace offering. A peace offering of a bull and a ram. But the peace offering. Remember, the people actually ate the peace offering. So obviously, a bull and a ram is not going to go very far. With millions of people. But the point here was to show that I think even that is very different than the picture of Solomon, where he's sacrificing 20,000 bulls for the people of, of Israel, where everybody got a portion, which is the picture of how Christ actually feeds his people. This is the picture of what Aaron does is yes, he helps the people. Yes, he, through his ministry, through his the ministry of the teaching of the word of God, there is blessings of the people, but, but they're scarce compared to the blessings of what Christ gives. So there was a testimony that the establishment of the priesthood, of the Levitical priesthood, it was a blessing for the people. But compare that to other sacrifices, other times where, where righteous men actually gave sacrifices for the congregation like David when they bring up the tabernacle or when they bring up the ark of the covenant and everybody feasts for 7 days that's not what people were doing with a bull and a ram <coughs> and they were to sacrifice those before the Lord again they had to be done in the sight of God to, as a testimony that the blessings came from God so in addition to the sin offering and the the <coughs> burnt offering and the the peace offering, they also had to make a grain offering mixed with oil. So while they were being consecrated, the priests, they had to have these three different kinds of bread as a grain offering that, they would, that Moses would burn a memorial of every day. But now this isn't, this isn't baked. This is, this is grain. This is just grain mixed with oil. Obviously, it would take a lot of preparation to mix all that mix enough grain for sacrifices, for grain offering, for all the people to receive grain. So this grain offering was uncooked grain, but it's still the picture of being mixed with oil. And then a memorial portion would be burnt, which would consecrate the grain offering. And it would be, met, would be distributed among the people. And so it is a picture of the word going forth. You know, it says in, in Romans that what was the chief... The chief advantage of being a Jew, to them were given the oracles of God. To them were given the words of God. And yes, it wasn't prepared. Yes, they didn't understand it. Yes, they, they saw all these types and shadows and they wondered what these things were. But they did receive the word of God. 
And that's what's being declared here. That's what it's a picture of. That's as these parables are being being put in front of the whole congregation. The whole congregation is at, is watching Aaron do these things. This is that picture of the grain being distributed to the people through the work of the Holy Spirit. Not for their salvation, but for their for their knowledge, for their understanding, for their cleansing, for their constraint, for all the things that it did to make them a people. But it didn't reconcile them to God. And he says, For today the Lord will appear to you. The point of the priesthood was to reconcile them to God. But Aaron's priesthood only reconciled them in shadows, not in substance. Remember, they saw a manifestation of God. They're sitting at the bottom of Mount Sinai during all this. They see the thunders and the lightning. They see the terror. At the end of Exodus, in Exodus 40, verse 35, and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord was on the tabernacle. And their response was to be driven away by the glory of the Lord. Even Moses was driven away by the glory of the Lord when the glory of the Lord came on the tabernacle. But today the, the Lord will appear to you. Today they would see the glory of the Lord and they wouldn't end up fleeing through the work of the priest. They would still fall down on their faces. But his presence wouldn't drive them off. There was an atonement made. There was a real atonement that really reconciled them at one level, but it didn't reconcile them for eternal life. It didn't reconcile them the way Christ reconciles his people. It just made it so the presence of God could be in Israel. The picture of how the true presence of God is in his true church. Verses 5 through 7. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do. And the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. So they brought what Moses commanded. Aaron brought his animals, the elders brought the animals for the people. They brought the grain for the grain offering, and they brought it before the tabernacle of meeting. Remember the tabernacle of meeting. On one side is the tabernacle of meeting when you come to the front of it, and on the other side is the burnt offering. Over and over the picture is it's done right there. It's done there where you have on one side you have the picture of judgment, and on the other side you have the picture of going into the presence of God. And God is having this all done right where you see. Either you follow God or you follow, or you, you're, you're damned. You receive the wrath of God. So they did it before the tabernacle of meeting, where you're either promised judgment or you're promised eternal life. And then all the congregation drew near. Moses had called Aaron and his sons. He had spoken to the elders of Israel to get the sacrifices when they bring the sacrifices, all of the congregation gathered as well and stood before the Lord. When God's glory appears in the, appeared to the people, 
They no longer stand. They fall down after the, the burnt offering. And this is how he appears to the people as he burns up the burnt offering on the altar. And everybody falls down. But they don't flee anymore. They still have a, a fear of God. But they don't go, we're leaving. But here they're still standing. They're standing before God. They came because they desired to see God. And they stood in anticipation of seeing God. Then Moses said, and Moses declared to the people what was going to happen. He had told the elders and the priests, but now he told the people, this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do. And just like through so many of these other things, the point is, this is what God commanded. He is telling them it is by his commandments, it's by doing the things that he says That's how you get reconciliation. That's how you get into the presence of the Father. And that doesn't mean by works because we all fall short, but it means that that's how Christ can have access because he doesn't fall short. So this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do. They had to make the offerings the way that God required them to make the offerings. And the glory of the Lord will appear to you. Then they would see the glory of the Lord. If they kept his commandments, they would see the glory of the Lord. They wanted to see it before, and every time they saw it, they were terrified and ran away. But now they'll see the glory of the Lord and just fall down. So then Moses said to Aaron in front of the congregation, Aaron was now to do what Moses had been doing for the last seven days. He says, go to the altar. He can now make the offerings according to the law because he had been consecrated by Moses. And as usual, the order of the offerings mattered. So he was to go to the offering. He was to offer his sin offering. The sin offering was required first. It's the price of the, or it's the picture of forgiveness of sin. That being separated from the world and be separated unto God. And Aaron had to still pay that price. He still had to pay that price to be forgiven his sin. None of the other sacrifices that were given were acceptable of God, to God until the sin offering was made. <coughs> and then the burn offering had to be made. The picture of substitutionary atonement, of Christ receiving the judgment that was due to each of the elect. And with that, he would make atonement. And that word atonement, again, means to cover It could make it so that there's not this distance between them and God. The the sacrifices aren't that much different than when God kills the animals and clothes Adam and Eve before they leave the garden. They were covered. They weren't changed. They were covered. Their sin had separated them from God and their sin was covered by these sacrifices. So it was to make atonement for yourself and for the people. But clearly Aaron was an insufficient high priest because he still needed to be reconciled to God on an ongoing basis. Even immediately after Moses had consecrated him, he still needed atonement. And the language is specific. He needed the sin offering. He needed the burnt offering. He needed to be made atoned for. He was a high priest that couldn't even atone for himself. Likewise, the people needed the sin offering and the burnt offering so that God would be reconciled to them. Again, not an eternal reconciliation, 
but a reconciliation so that God's presence could go up with the camp and he not consume them. He had to offer the offering of the people. He was After he had made atonement for himself, then he was to offer the offering that the elders had gathered for the people and make atonement for them so that the people would be reconciled in a physical sense to the point where God's presence could go with them as the Lord commanded. Again, the atonement only happens, that reconciliation, that covering only happens when it's aligned with the will of God and with the commandments of God. Through the building of the tabernacle, the establishment of the Levitical priesthood, this is repeated over and over and over again. It has to be done according to the commandments of God. They had to treat God as their Lord, accepting and doing what he commanded them to do for any of it to be acceptable to God. Verses 8 through 11. Aaron therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. Then the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. So Aaron therefore went to the altar. This would have been in front of all the people. All the people were gathered there. In verse 22, it says he came down after offering the offering. So there would have been steps, or some people say that there was a ramp halfway up. But it's clear he was raised up so that the people could see him making these offerings. Yeah, the the altar burnt offering is four and a half feet tall. So that's pretty pretty tall to throw, you know, even the entrails of a bowl over, or the rams, or the kids. And so there was, there was something to get him up higher, but that also meant that they could see him. So Aaron went to the altar, and he killed the calf for the sin offering. He killed the calf, which showed that he still needed an offering for the sin that he had. The calf was for himself. It was for his sin, for his personal sin. He still needed a sacrifice He clearly was not acceptable in the presence of God. He was not holy enough to be in the presence of God. And so he needed his sins covered. So then the sons of Aaron, his sons, who were also consecrated as priests, they were also involved with the sacrifice that was done for Aaron in the handling of the blood. So when Aaron would have killed the animal, they had basins that they were, catch basins that they were to catch the blood in. And so Aaron's sons would have caught the blood after Aaron killed the calf. And they brought the blood to him. When the animal was killed, they capture the blood. They bring it to Aaron because obviously the the disposition of the blood is important. And this is the the picture of the, the priests of God, of the true God. We are the ones that handle the blood of Christ. We are the ones that are declaring that it's through the blood of Christ that there's remission of sin. That's who... That's who that's been given to. And so they have this this physical picture of Aaron's sons capturing the blood, catching it. Because that's that's what priests of God do. That's what the true priests of God do. We handle the blood of Christ. We preach the word. We cause people to repent. We tell them that they need to be covered by the blood of Christ. That's, that's the picture here as Aaron's sons capture the blood and bring it to Aaron. And then he dipped his finger in it. 
This is the same that Moses did in the part of Leviticus 8 that I accidentally skipped last week where Moses would take of the blood and he would put his finger in it and he would put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering. And when we think of the finger, I mean, this is very personal. And it's interesting, in Leviticus 4, for the sin offering, they're always commanded to dip their finger in and do it. The other offerings, they probably, when they're, they're sprinkling it or pouring it around the, well, sprinkling it around the altar burnt offering, they don't do it with their finger. We don't know exactly how, but probably with hyssop or something like that, where they're sprinkling it on the altar. But here, for the blood of the sin offering, it's very personal. You dip your finger in it. The priest had to dip his finger in it. Moses had to dip his finger in it. It's not this far off thing. And he had to, Moses dipped his finger and that's the same thing that Aaron does. He dipped his finger and he put it on the blood, on the horns of the altar. <coughs> so he dipped his finger in the blood. When we think of this picture, again, it's the picture of a spiritual reality that Christ the high priest dips his finger in his own blood and he uses it to anoint the horns of the altar because it's through the sacrifice of Christ, through his crucifixion, that great judgment comes upon those who reject him. Whether it's 70 AD and and women eating their own children, or whether it's the, the judgment that comes upon anybody who hears the word of God, pretends to follow it, and then rejects it, there is a great judgment that comes on. And it's a personal judgment that God does. He puts it on the horns of the altar. It's the judgment increases in strength and power because of Christ's sacrifice. He has this picture of the sin offering being sacrificed. Deuteronomy eighteen seventeen through nineteen says, "And the Lord said to me, What have they spo- what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren." And will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever does not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Moses comes, and everybody sees the judgment of the law. But there's no special judgment for rejecting Moses. Christ comes, and the power of judgment increases. He will speak my words and anybody who denies Christ, anybody who will not hear him, anybody who will not submit to Christ, I will require it of him. Christ's sacrifice increases the wrath of God. The people who know what Christ did, the people who have heard of Christ's sacrifice, if you don't trust in it, if you don't believe, it increases the judgment of God. It increases his wrath. Christ did not come just to bring forgiveness. That sacrifice of the sin offering, it's done before, between the door of the tabernacle and the burnt offering. He makes it so that some can go into the Holy of Holies and he makes it so that some feel a greater wrath of God. Some feel receive greater punishment, greater judgment. Christ came to bring a more powerful condemnation not just to bring forgiveness. 
So he put it on the horns of the altar and poured the blood at the base of the altar. The rest of the blood was poured out at the base of the altar. Not sprinkled in a circle around the altar as with the blood of the burnt offering. And remember the blood of the sin offering. The blood of the sin offering is either sprinkled at the, at the, the veil or it's just poured out at the altar of burnt offering. Aaron's doing a sacrifice for himself. And Leviticus 4 is very clear about what a high priest or what an anointed priest, when he does a sacrifice for himself, what he's supposed to do in verses 5 through 7. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of burnt offering, the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. What the high priest is supposed to do is take that blood and he's supposed to sprinkle it at the veil. And he's not supposed to anoint the horns of the altar of burnt offering. He's supposed to anoint the horns of the altar of incense, saying that our prayers are acceptable through the sacrifice of Christ. Aaron doesn't do the sacrifice like for a high priest. He doesn't do a sacrifice for an anointed priest. He does a sacrifice as if it's a sacrifice for the ruler of the people, not like a priest. The bull's right, which is what Moses told him to do, but what Aaron does with the blood is not what was commanded in Leviticus 4. He just anoints it on the horns of the altar. Clearly, he is not the high priest. Clearly, something else is being pointed to. From the very beginning, Aaron doesn't do it the way that the high priest had to do it. He was just a shadow. He was just a type. The true high priest, Christ's blood, it was, sac- it was sprinkled. It was the veil. His body is the veil. So we have entrance to the Father. Aaron didn't even do the picture. It's clear that Aaron was not a sufficient high priest. And God accepts the offering. It's not like God says, you're in rebellion to me like Nadab and Abihu when he kills them in the next chapter. So he accepts his sacrifice. And so the sacrifice itself is saying there has to be a better high priest. This one doesn't work. He handles the blood like he's a ruler of the people, not like he's a high priest, not like he's an anointed priest. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering. So as usual, the entrails, the the parts that accrue because of the, the pleasures of this world, that part gets burned up. The parts that are about waste, the parts that are about defilement, they're removed, they're burnt separately. From the actual sacrifice, the actual sacrifice was done outside the camp. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering, that he burned on the altar. And again, remember, later, God is going to light the burnt offering. 
he is going to, his fire is going to come down from heaven at the end of the chapter and it's going to consume everything on the altar burnt offering. But at this point, Aaron's burning the offering of these entrails. And then he'll burn other offerings. Or at least he'll start them burning. And so, you know, where did this fire come from? It probably comes from Moses. Because Moses had burned offerings for seven days already. And so he burns on the altar and he's probably, we don't know for sure that Moses kept it lit the whole time, but the law says that the altar burnt offering is supposed to be lit at all times. It's supposed to be burning continually. So either Aaron lit the fire or he's lighting the fire that Moses had already started. And so he burnt the fat and the entrails on that fire as the Lord had commanded Moses. So in accordance with the law, the flesh and the hide, the rest of the animal, the parts that represent the animal that has been cleansed in the inward parts, he burned with fire outside the camp. We know from Hebrews that this is a picture of Christ being sacrificed outside the camp. That we have to join him outside the camp. That unless we join him outside the camp, we have no part in him. So it's a picture of justification. For those who, who have an external cleansing, those who are not truly redeemed, are not truly saved, they don't go outside the camp. They're like the goat that's offered as a sin offering. But the bowl, the one that's actually a picture of reconciliation, both the high priest, the bowl for the high priest, the picture of Christ suffering outside the camp, and the picture for the congregation is that they get burned outside the camp. So Aaron carries it and burns it outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Let me give you a few applications. (coughs) The first application is be careful not to deceive yourself about whether you're truly reconciled to God. From the beginning, Israel knew these were not reconciliation with God. It's really easy to go back and read this. When, when Moses had the tabernacle outside the camp, anybody that wanted to seek God, they could go to that tabernacle and seek God. They could go to the presence of God. Anybody that wanted the presence of God, they could go. But now Israel, God sets up this whole system so that, that his presence can be in the midst of them. And they want to pretend like they're reconciled, but if they were really reconciled, they would have gone out before. This isn't about their reconciliation. It's very easy for us to to deceive ourselves where we have plenty of evidence that shows we're not actually reconciled to God. But instead of of looking at the evidence, what we want to do instead is go, but I'm in the ritual. I do the ritual. I'm just like Israel. We after these sacrifices. I had the goat offered for me as a sin offering. I'm fine. Instead of going, no, you actually have to trust in the finished work of Christ. It's still easy to deceive yourself, to think you're reconciled when you're really not. Make your calling and election sure, according to the truths of Scripture and not according to the feelings of your heart. Another application. When Moses consecrated Aaron and his sons, it was a picture of the law declaring who the high priest was. 
but not just who the high priests were, who the other priests were. The way we know Christ was the high priest was because the law designated it, it demonstrated it, it declared it. There was no deceit found in him. There was no lies found in his mouth. He broke no laws. It was the law that showed us that Jesus Christ was the high priest. It wasn't Moses' choice. The choice didn't make anybody a priest. The choice just, or excuse me, the law just made those who God chose to be priests, it identified them as priests. That's what the law does. It shows who has been designated by God to be set aside as priests. No one's saved by the law, but they're identified by the law. They all did all this physical ritual, but we need to make sure we understand the spiritual substance of it. God says repeatedly, those who practice lawlessness go to hell. The sign of being right with God is the law identifies that you are right with God. The law can't save you, but it identifies you're right with God. You say you have faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. That's what the law does. That's what the law did with Aaron's sons. And that's what the law continues to do. The law still shows who is a priest, not by killing animals to do so, because Christ finished that. He was the one that was killed. But the cause causes the law to still show who has been sanctified who has been consecrated in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 16. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses read, the veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The law still identifies who is God's. Who are the true priests of God? That's what the law does. It doesn't save, but it does identify. Another application, we should not think that our sacrifices, which now are sacrifices not of animals, but of work, of service, are acceptable to God unless they're without blemish. And it doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean that we do it but it means that there's something that's meaningful. Like when David goes to sacrifice on the threshing floor of Ornan to stop the plague in Israel, and he goes, oh, I'll just give it to you. David goes, no. And I think we calculated it out this week because we were in that passage, and he spent something like the equivalent of $600,000. And he said, I have to make a sacrifice, or this sacrifice doesn't mean anything. That's one of the pictures of the sacrifices being without blemish. When we make sacrifices to God, they have to be real. Don't just go, oh, I gave up something that I didn't want. Look at all, look at the great charity I did. I gave away my used clothes that I'll never wear again. That's not a sacrifice. That's called cleaning up your house. God wants you to make and expects you to make sacrifices, which means to give up things that you value, to give up things that earthly things that matter to you. That's how we're supposed to live sacrificially. It's not by giving up things that we don't want. 
but by actually living in such a way that we're doing God's will even when it's something we want. God still demands that we not give him the dregs. Malachi 1, 7 and 8, You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, In what way have we defiled you? By saying, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? God doesn't want sacrifices that are non-sacrificial. He doesn't want sacrifices that are just this picture, that this, just this, this image that you're serving God, where you're not actually making a sacrifice. Sacrifices have to be without blemish. They have to be things that we value. Another application, they had the promise of seeing the glory of God when the high priest makes his sacrifice. And this is, this is pointing to seeing the glory of the Lord in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was the glory of the Lord to consume the sacrifices with his fire. It's a greater vision of the glory of the Lord when Christ rose from the dead when he broke the power of death, that's a lot greater glory than fire coming from heaven and burning up some burnt offerings. We need to remember how glorious it was that God could defeat death, that he could lay his life down and he could pick it up again. That's the true glory of God. That's a lot more glorious than some fire burning. (coughs) Another application... It's easy to preach half the gospel that through the coming of Jesus Christ that some will be saved, that some will be brought into the eternal presence of God. But we need to preach the whole gospel that through the sacrifice of Christ, creation will be reformed to a state that's without sin and all who offend, all those who practice lawlessness, their judgment will increase. They will be cast into eternal damnation. It says in Romans how God overlooked, in times past, he overlooked the sins of the Gentiles, but now that his glory has been made known by Jesus Christ rising from the dead, his judgment increases. That's part of the gospel too. It's one of the reasons we use wine for the Lord's Supper, and I think it's so important is that wine's the picture of the gospel. For some it's a tremendous blessing. For others they get drunk and they feel miserable. That's the whole gospel. (coughs) It is the glory of God that he will use the gospel to bless some and bring some into his presence for those whose sins he has pardoned. But it's also about the glory of the gospel that he increases judgment on those who have heard and have not believed. Everyone will personally be judged by the blood of Jesus Christ. That picture of them dipping the blood into the, their finger into the blood of the sin offering. It's a personal judgment. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the blood of Christ? <coughs> Other application related is God increased the judgment on those who hear and do not respond. His blood anoints the horn of the altar burnt offering. Hebrews 10, 28 through 31, that's what I think this is a picture of. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law 
dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, of how much more worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. This picture of Aaron having to make this sacrifice, this picture of Aaron anointing the horns of the altar, that's what should, it should remind us of. How much more will God avenge the blood of his son for people who trample it underfoot? <coughs> in the last application, only those who are cleansed in the inward parts, those who have their sins dealt with, from the inside. Those are the one who join Christ outside the camp as a living sacrifice. Those are the only true priests of Christ. Those are the only true priests of God. Those who can make sacrifices acceptable to God are those who join Christ outside the camp. If you live in this world, if you won't sacrifice the things of this world, if you won't die to yourself and live for Christ, you have not gone outside the camp. And only those who go outside the camp, they're the only ones that are acceptable. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. We pray that you let us understand the things that we should understand from it. Convict us of the pictures that you have put before us. Let us not treat them as shallow pictures like Israel, who even their own experience would have taught them that that was not true. Let us look at these things and recognize the spiritual truths behind them because you have given us far more knowledge, far more understanding than you ever gave to Israel. Lord, let us be a people who who truly seek to understand what you are saying to us in this passage. Lord, we thank you that a high priest on the order of Aaron could never reconcile anyone to God because he was such a, a sacrifice that was so much like any of us, filled with sin, We needed a perfect sacrifice, a sacrifice who had no sin, a sacrifice who did not need a sacrifice to cleanse them. Lord, we thank you that you came and you took on flesh and you became that sacrifice. So it's possible for us to have eternal life. Lord, let us seek that. Let us seek to to join you. Let us seek to, to walk with you. Let us seek to be identified by your law as priests of the Most High God, priests on the order of Melchizedek. Lord, let us be a people that bring honor and glory to your name. Amen.